This is the For Life and Godliness podcast. Welcome back to For Life and Godliness. No, we have not begun Season 3 just yet. There are still some more Valley of Visions to go through. But for this episode, I wanted to share with you a sermon that I recently gave. I was asked to preach, and it was at my in-law's church. And I was thankful for the opportunity to preach. But I wanted to share that sermon with you titled, The Race of Faith, where I'm going through Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Now, to let you know beforehand, the audio is not very good. I have done what I could to try to enhance the audio so that it would be, you would be able to hear it very clearly. Uh, So if it sounds kind of funky, that's why because I had to pull the audio and I had to enhance it and kind of try to clear it up. Uh, But what you will be listening to today is a sermon titled, The Race of Faith. I hope that it blesses you. Well, good morning. morning. I want to say how thankful I am to be here with you and thankful for Pastor Ronnie for allowing me the opportunity to occupy this pulpit. It is no light task. I can assure you. Now, I do have a slight cough, so you'll have to forgive me. Uh, Our boys have been sick on and off, and one of my son's favorite things to do is come really close and look at me so sweetly. Don't you love those moments? Right before he coughs in your face. Now, hopefully this will not be the last time I'm asked to uh, give you the word. Um, we'll see how today goes, but Pastor Ronnie did say he was going to turn me loose, so that could be a good thing, that could be a bad thing, but I say that because the topic we're going to be looking at this morning does come with some thorns that will prick at the heart, and there are times where you may be feeling that whatever burden you're carrying today, it may be feeling heavier and heavier. But I want to assure you that if you will just hold on till the end, you will get relief. So with that, I will invite you to turn to your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. And this morning, we're going to be focusing on verses 1 and 2. Now, just a heads up, I know that most of you probably use the KJV or the New King James, and that's fine. But just so you're not freaked out. I am reading from the New American Standard 95. Now, I have specific reasons for that, but if you want to know, if you have questions about that, talk to me afterwards. You can uh, yell at me. And I also need to apologize because the plow is only going to barely drag the surface of these two verses. It's not going to be able to go as deep as I would like because as I was studying this text and praying over this text, I kept drawing so much out that to present it all in one time would be like drinking out of a fire hose. 
and I do not want you to drink out of a fire hose. Because afterwards you are exhausted and it's hard to retain information when you are drinking from a fire hose. So Hebrews chapter 12, 1 through 3, the author writes, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. May the Lord be with us as we seek to unpack these words. Now all of us who profess to be in Christ... We have a race to run, and this race is known as the Christian life, or we can also call it the race of faith. But in this race, there are many ups and downs, trials, distractions, rocky paths, and obstacles that would seek to pull us out of the way and hinder us from running well, finishing the race, and obtaining the prize at the end. So what we must pursue is single-mindedness. Single-mindedness is a life that is driven and guided by an overriding desire, the kind of desire that brings all areas of a fragmented life together and unites them towards one focus. And as a Christian, being single-minded is a thing we ought to seek and once acquired something we ought to guard. Now, a biblical description that we find in Scripture of single-mindedness is the phrase pure in heart. Now, when we say pure in heart, we don't mean a heart that is sinlessly perfect, but rather a life where the heart is undivided. And when God holds the heart of a Christian up to the light, he desires to see that while we are still imperfect, while we are still flawed, while we are still growing and maturing, becoming more and more into the image of Christ, God desires that that heart would be all focused and centered around one object, one great attraction. And that great attraction is God himself through the object of our faith, Christ Jesus. And those whose heart is undivided, you can have an intimacy with God here and now as you run the race of faith in the Christian life. So with our text in mind and the consideration of being single-minded and pure in heart, the question then must be asked of us, how well are you running the race? And then the follow-up question, is your heart divided? Now to run the race well and then Ensure that we possess a heart that is not divided, we must consider two main points, and we find them in our text. Laying aside and looking to Jesus. Those two points will help us run the race well in order to finish well. Now, in order to run and finish well, there are some particulars about the race itself that we must grasp. So the first heading I wish to lay before you is the nature of the race. 
And the first thing we need to know about this race is that it is a race we all run. We are not in competition with one another, but we are running together, striving after the same prize. This is why the local church and being a part of the local church is so important. Yes, you are not only on Sunday nights, but ladies on Tuesdays, everyone on Wednesdays, so that we can learn the things of God together, lean upon one another, and helping each other continue to strive towards the great prize. So we run together. Secondly, the race is a difficult race. It's not easy. There's trials, there's distractions, there is a very real enemy that wants to pull you off of the path. But there is also ourselves. Do we not get in our own way? Do we not have our own limitations? But then there's also the sin that dwells within us. Sins like pride that swells up and says, I can do it on my own strength. Yes. There is also the desire for comfort in the race. Yes, I want to run the race, but I want it to be easy. I want smooth paths. I want a nice breeze. I want some trees for some shade. If that is you, then I am sorry that I have to burst your bubble when we consider the very word race that is used in our text. The Greek word used for race is agone. It's where we get the English word agony. The faith race is one of agony because you will be met time after time with trials and various temptations, and you must resist. You must persevere. You must keep pressing on. It is a fight to stay on the course and not be drawn off. This is why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9 that he disciplines his body. Why? So that he can run the race of agony with endurance. Now, if you have attended on Wednesday nights, then you should know that I am very much a lover of John Bunyan's allegory, The Pilgrim's Progress. So, of course, I must reference it. But as I was studying this text, I kept being taken back to a particular part of the story. And truth be told, almost the whole allegory can be used here because time and time again, Christian is being pulled off of the path and he has to continually be, be being placed back on the path, on the narrow path towards the celestial city. But there's a particular point where Christian, who is now joined by Hopeful, they come to a part on the way where the path is rough. Their feet have become tender. They're becoming impatient, and they're longing for a softer, easier path. They see a fence and this fence runs right along the side of the path that they're walking. And as they look over, they see a big meadow of nice, soft grass. And they say, well, the wall runs alongside the path. So we will hop over the wall and we will walk till our feet are eased, till the pain subsides. And then we will come back over. And yet they were so distracted by their comfort that they did not realize where the wall and the narrow path Separated, And before they knew it, they were being led further and further in the wrong direction. And they did not realize it until they were met with the giant despair and became prisoners in Doubting Castle. All because they were impatient 
and they did not want to endure the agony of the race. They had a heart that was divided and desiring ease and comfort rather than enduring to please the Lord. And I know that there are some of you in here today, in this room, that can give testimony to the agony of that race. And yet, you have remained pressing on in faith. So, this is a race we all run. It is a difficult race. Third, it is a long race. You have all heard it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. It begins once we have submitted our lives to Christ. We've repented of our sin, we believe on him, and it does not end until we reach heaven. So because it is a long race, the writer of Hebrews tells us we must endure patiently. And that word endure, or in the KJV, it's patience. It means to be able to bear up under the weight. And you don't have to be a follower of Christ for very long to feel the weight that bears down upon you. Now lastly, concerning the nature of the race, it must be run a certain way. We are not free to run however we want. We are not to come to the starting line and when the gun fires, we take off, go out of the stadium, hang a left, catch some snacks, and then catch an Uber right back to the finish line. God has laid out through his word how we are to run. And the moment we start thinking we can follow God our own way, apart from what he has said, we are no longer running the same race. Now, for a hypothetical example, a hypothetical, consider, if you will, that you desire to run the race, but you want to run the race your own way. And your neighbor sitting next to you, they desire to run the race as well, but they say, I'm going to run it the way God has said to run it. The two of you will not arrive at the same finish line. It is a race that involves obedience. We must compete according to the rules. Paul tells us this. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. We must run the race according to what God has laid out in his word. So we have the nature of the race. And keep the nature of the race in your mind as we keep moving forward. The second heading I want to put before you is the encouragement in the race. Because the race is long, because the race is difficult, because the race must be run a certain way, we need encouragement, and we need encouragement from those who have gone before us. And in our text, the author refers to this encouragement as the great cloud of witnesses which surround or encompass us. Now, there is a misunderstanding about this text that we need to clear up. And as I get into the context, you'll, you'll see what I mean. Oftentimes, this text is presented as this cloud of witnesses. They're looking down on us and they're cheering us on as we run the race. Now, that sounds good, but with everything we see in Scripture... When you're in heaven, you're too preoccupied with Christ to be worried about what's going on down here. <clears throat> and honestly, I believe the two verses that we're looking at, verses 1 and 2, should be included at the end of chapter 11. In fact, if you look at chapter 10, verse 39, and verses 1 and 2 of chapter 12, they're actually bookends 
to chapter 11. Let me just read verse 39. But we are not of those who shrink back from destruction, but of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. And then the author goes on to list the testimony of witnesses for our encouragement. So it's not that they're looking down on us, cheering us on. It's that we are given the examples of those who went before us and their lives. They testify or they bear witness that the race of faith is worth running. That's the whole purpose of the word therefore in verse 1 or in the KJV, wherefore. It's bringing forward the main idea of the previous chapter and moving into the application or the what you are to do. And what you are to do in the long and difficult race when you need encouragement is look to those Old Testament saints who bear witness by what they have seen, what they have experienced. They give testimony concerning God and his promises and his faithfulness to fulfill the promises of, that he has given to his people. We can have assurance in our faith because of their testimony. But we don't just have the Old Testament saints we can look to, do we? We also have a long, long line of faithful men and women throughout church history who have ran the race and lost their lives for Christ. From the apostles all the way to those who were burned at the stake at the time of the Reformation. And even to today, those who are being persecuted in different parts of the world, such as China, they have to meet in secret, and if they're caught, they're thrown in jail or they lose their lives. They testify to us as well that the race of faith is worth it. And I probably should have mentioned this uh, before, but the word witness that is used, martyron, it's where we get the word martyr. So this is a long race, a difficult race, and it may even be difficult even to the point of death. And we are encouraged by those who ran it before us and give us their testimony by their lives. So we have the nature of the race, the encouragement in the race, and the third heading, the manner in which we run the race. Let us also lay aside every encumbrance and sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The first thing we must do is lay aside every encumbrance. And this is where the purity of the heart comes in. This is where the single-mindedness comes in. In order to run well, we remove or we cast off anything that weighs us down and hinders us from running. When you line up for a race, do you run with a big winter coat? Do you run with ankle weights on? No. You take them off and you cast them aside. In ancient times, when they would do the Olympic Games, they would do the running events, the runners would essentially strip down to nothing. That way, their running was not impeded by anything that could drag them back. But this, this term, encumbrance, it's not focused on one specific thing, but it's a very broad term. It means any weight. It can be 
sinful things because the, the writer says also lay down the sin which so easily entangles us, but also things that are not necessarily sinful. These are things that we might not recognize that are in our life that are becoming a hindrance. Such things as sports. Now, I grew up playing sports. Sports can be a hindrance. Television. Politics. Always trying to seek the approval of others. Sometimes it's people, is it not? Sometimes people hold us down, weigh us down. They're a hindrance in our spiritual growth and maturity. Sometimes we have to change out the people who are in our life. Or how about this one? A sin that you have committed, that you have repented of, and yet, for some reason, you cannot leave it at the feet of the cross, so you dwell on it and you allow it to weigh you down. Nothing displays our unbelief more than we continue to carry around the guilt and shame that Christ bore on the cross. Faith, while it is the substance of things hoped for, as Hebrews 11.1 tells us, it goes deeper than that. Faith is living as though God is not a liar. So when Christ goes to the cross to pay for your sin, and before he dies, he cries out, it is finished. Do you live as though it is finished? What is hindering you from running well? Someone may say, well, I just don't have enough time. I don't have enough time to read my Bible and study the things of God. I just, I have so much going on. Okay? How much time do you spend on your phone? On social media? How much time do you spend watching television? Here's one that may hurt. Do you know more stats about your favorite sports teams than you do the attributes of God? Where we give our time displays where our heart is divided. And again, these are not things that are necessarily sinful in and of themselves, but they can be distractions for us. They can distract us and slow us down from pursuing the things of God and the prize to be had at the end of the race. It's not that we don't have time. It's that we just have bad time management. And then we give ourselves to things that absolutely do not matter and have zero effect on our life. Okay? Now look, I'm going to be real honest with you. I hope the Atlanta Braves win the World Series again. Okay? I really hope the Georgia Bulldogs win their third championship in a row. Okay. I, I really hope that. Like, like I really hope that. Okay? But I could care less if you don't. I could care less if they don't. Because they have no effect on me or my soul the way that running after the things of God does and pursuing Him above all else. Paul said, I long to know nothing among you but Christ and him crucified. And today, with all of our first world problems, we allow ourselves to be consumed 
and affected by everything but Christ and him crucified. Christ crucified has become nothing more than what we call a true truth. It is a truth that we know to be true, but we store it in the back of our minds on the top shelf somewhere, and it does not alter our daily lives. When, in fact, it should be at the forefront of our minds, having its way in everything that we do, right? How we live, how we walk, how we talk, how we dress, how we work. All of these are ultimately how we run the race. The distractions, the burdens, the unnecessary guilt and shame, the sin that so easily entangles us and divides our hearts. Do you feel... Whatever burdens you're carrying today, are they getting heavier and heavier yet? Then cast them aside and fix your eyes on Jesus. He is our prime example to follow. He carved out the path that we run. He is our very motivation for running. He is the one our hearts should be fixed upon and not divided from. So we run the race with our eyes fixed upon Jesus. When our eyes are fixed upon Jesus, we are not running aimlessly. Since we have a path to follow and we have a finish line that we need to reach, he is the fixed point that keeps us on the path. Paul, in 1 Corinthians 9, using the metaphor of the runner, he says that he runs in such a way as not without aim. Okay, you're not just running all over the place. You're not running without a purpose. You're not just out there jogging. There is a finish line that you must reach. And standing at the finish line awaiting your arrival is Christ himself. And it says that he is the author and perfecter of faith. Author. Archagon. That's where we get the word architect. He's the originator. He's the founder. The saving faith that you possess was designed by Christ himself, and it was gifted to you by his grace. It is a faith that is from on high, which means it is quite literally a supernatural faith. And friends, in order to run the long and difficult race, in order to stay on the path, laying aside every burden, every sin, the only way we can run this race and arrive at the finish line is by a supernatural faith. And it did not originate with us. It originated with Christ in eternity past. But Christ is also the perfecter of our faith. So because this Supernatural faith is a faith that was gifted to us by God. And we can see that in Ephesians 2, verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift from God. So, because we are gifted this faith by God, He works to bring that faith to completion or perfection. And we can have assurance of that in Philippians 1, verse 6. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it till the day of Christ. So that should give us great joy and cause to worship. And Christ, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, 
and has sat down at the right hand of God. This is our motivation. To run and finish the race and enter into the joy of the Lord. Friends, Christ came to live the life that we could not live. To die the death that we deserve. He went to the cross in our place, bearing our sin, our shame, our burdens, so that we may run the race of faith. And run we must. Now we've seen that it doesn't take much to run the race. Only everything that you have. But we must run the race of the Christian life as hard as we can throwing off every burden with our eyes fixed upon Christ. And when we reach that finish line and collapse in his arms, we hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. And my final heading, the prize. Now if I were to ask you what you think the prize is, some of you may say, well, it's eternal life. Others may say, well, uh, it's being in heaven, or it's a crown, or it's a mansion. Now, all of those things are prizes, but they are not the ultimate prize we're striving for. The prize to be had at the end of this long and difficult race in the Christian life is Christ himself. He is the great treasure. He is the one who makes all the other prizes meaningful. Okay, eternal life without Christ would be empty. A crown without Christ would just be a fashion accessory. And heaven without Christ would be the worst place to be. Because it would be void of the object of our affection. There would be no point in being there. He is the reason that we run the race. He is the one we fix our eyes to while we are running. And he is the one our hearts are centered upon. He is the prize to be gained once we cross that finish line. Christ is the ultimate prize. Now to close. To the saints who are persevering this morning, let me encourage you. Continue on the path. Keep running the race. Do not allow distractions of this world to toss you to and fro, but keep laying hold of your anchor, who is Christ. Continue to have your eyes fixed on him, the great prize to be had. Keep going. To you saints who have been pulled off the path, who have heavy, heavy burdens that are weighing you down, cast them off. Look to Christ. Let him be your strength and your motivation to get up, get back on the path, and continue the race. Let your heart be divided no longer. And if you need help with that, if you need prayer, there are men and women in here, and you know exactly who they are. Go to them, grab them, tell them of your heavy burden that grows and continues to weigh you down. Find them, let them pray with you and for you. And finally... If you are here this morning and you have not come to know Christ as Savior, then quench not the spirit that has moved you to be here this morning, to be gathered in the assembly of his people. That spirit 
move you this morning to be here. He has laid upon your heart and your minds the matters of your soul, which are eternal matters. The Father is drawing you with the cords of his love. Christ stands at the door and he bids you to come. Come through the gates that are open wide, waiting to receive you. Come lay your burdens at the feet of Christ who paid for all of your sin with his blood on the cross. And he did that so you may be weary no longer, but you may have rest and peace, entering into the joy and communion of your Lord. Today is the day of salvation if you do not know it. So won't you come this way? For Life and Godliness is a production of Servants of Grace. If this podcast has blessed you in any way, let us know by leaving a review. Would love to hear from you.